Three, two, one. Welcome back to Back Porch Overs Club. This is episode 41. I said 41, man. We're moving. We're getting these things going. We're grooving. Uh, recap show week three of college football. Week three slate was not the best on paper. We talked about that. We tried to find the sneaky good picks for you guys last week, and we did. And we came through with you on those sneaky picks. So if you were listening, you knew that a couple of these games could have been sneaky. I know I talked about Syracuse and Purdue. That game was a pretty good game until halftime. Like I said, here we are again. Man, we're going to get into it. I know it's just me on the back porch today. So back porch, Nate. So if you're looking for the other guys, I apologize. I know they're better than me. That's why I have them on and I just host, right? Uh, but this week's slate. We can get into that. It's a phenomenal slate, but we got to recap what we all just watched. It turned into a phenomenal, sneaky good weekend of college football, starting with that 12 o'clock slate. That 12 o'clock slate was pretty good, and then our 3 o'clock and our nighttime, and then the end cap with the Colorado versus Colorado State game. It was phenomenal. It was something that started off just Bush League, looked like, Something you see out of an amateur prize fight. Like, Little Wayne didn't need to be there. Like, having the team come out of the, the locker room. Like, that's what Ralphie's for. That's what the Buffalo's for. Years and years of the Buffalo running on the field. Like, that's the, the tradition. So, it was a crapshoot to begin with. And then, like, all these people at Master P and Kawhi Leonard and all these guys that didn't need to be there were there. And, of course, ESPN and Fox and CBS. There's... Milking it, milking it, milking it for ratings. It ended up being a really good game. It's crazy how when you make things personal, like Colorado was saying, well, guess what? Colorado State made it personal. And you had a mediocre, at best, Colorado State team walk into Colorado and gave them everything they could. Everything. And it felt just for the inkling that college football meant something again. It didn't mean you know, nil, it didn't mean about me, me, me. It was, I'm going to face the guy in front of me and I'm going to slap him in the teeth. And that's football. That was football. That was your rival football. That is something that we've lost in the last couple of years. I miss old school, dirty hate. And that's what college football is all about with those deep bedded rivalries. We've kind of lost it in the way with the playoffs. Like, oh, you can lose one game and be in the playoffs or whatever. With all the nil stuff, but no, that game meant more than anything. It was in the moment, and it felt good. Watching it felt good. I was like, this is a team where, you know, Colorado State, they're way out, outranked in talent. We know that. But passion and effort always lead more than talent. And you can't you can't tell me otherwise. I played the game. I've watched the game my entire life. I've seen lesser teams beat bigger teams because they made it personal. And it's because the dude in front of you might be your friend after the game, but during those 60 minutes, he is the devil. And you want to slap him straight in the teeth, and you want to put your foot on his throat. And that's what I saw. And we need more of that college football. We don't need this, let me share my jersey with you. Let me sign my, my autograph. Man, I'll see you in the league. No, I'll see you in the league. But right now, I'm going to see you in front of my fist because I'm about to put it in your face. And that is how football needs to be played. 
So talking about that game, we learned a lot about Colorado. They came out like a prize fight. They looked stupid with all of the, the big circus, right? Well, the master ringleader is obviously Dion, Coach Prime. Halfway through that game, they were at halftime. They had to have a coming to Jesus, and Coach Prime took off his shades. He looked like a real coach at the second half that third quarter because he said, I'm in a dogfight. I'm in a dogfight, and I'm about to get embarrassed at home by these dudes. And a lot of it was because of the circus they had that week. And that it was a circus. You had every major network, all the things, all Coach Prime, 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 Prime. Well, too many distractions lead to infallacies on the field. And Jay Norval and his team were prepared, and they came prepared, and I give them credit for that. They came prepared, and they came to play, and they came to win the game. Not just win the day, but win the game. So kudos to them. But, no, I, I think we learned a lot with uh, what Colorado has and what they don't have. They don't have depth. We know that. And we're about to see that moving forward with the Oregon State game and the USC game coming up because it's a long season, and kids get hurt. And that's what happens. What's well, next man up, right? Well, the guy who replaced Travis Hunter as a wide receiver did a great job. But as a corner, we're going to see a lack there because he's just as good as a corner as he's a wide receiver. So, you know, if they start losing linemen, if they start losing linebackers, any other major key position with holes that need to be filled, we're going to start seeing that. I believe they're still going to get a bowl game. But just because their offense is so good, that offensive coordinator out of the MAC, I mean, they're throwing the ball, you know, every which way upside down and and uh Sanders is he's doing good he's doing really good the kid's a good quarterback I will put him he is definitely on our Heisman watch uh, you know top 10 Heisman list he deserves every bit of it um that 98 yard uh the drive where it was on his back tie the game that was impressive super impressive I do like the way they play the game I do like the way they call the game but once the game like I said became once it was not uh, a circus, it became a good football game. And you're sitting there going, you know, it's late at night. Like, if this was a 7 o'clock game, the East Coast people would have watched it. And they're like, this is a damn good football game. Like, it was really good. So more of that across the board. Across the board. I need more of that uh, for football. Makes it feel good. Makes it feel pre-football, nil money. Makes it feel like these kids actually give a damn about playing for their team, not just them. Not the name on their back, but what the name says on the front. That's what I love about college football. It's more than you. It's you and your brothers. It's you and your. It's you and the fan base. Just the passion behind it. I freaking love it. Uh, you know that was our first first big game. That was the big one. So we're gonna talk about that one. But let's lead into some other games that you know week the first three weeks. It's an up and down. I call it the preseason of college football. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, we had the LSU game. You know, we I'll pull if you're on my YouTube, you're going to see I'm about to pull up and share the screen. You know, that LSU game was, was uh, impressive. After we've already written them off, oh, they looked like poop against, uh, they look, they look real bad against. You know, Florida State week one. Well, that's week one. That's why the NFL gets three weeks of preseason to get the rhythm. So under like just to, to get the rhythm, to get the vibe, to get the feel of the team, to get everything. And 
that's what preseason is for. And in, a, in college doesn't get that. And, you know, that's why, you know, everyone says, that's why we um, pulled the box score for you right here. Team stats and everything for the LSU game. You know, that's why you don't write people off week one. They played, it was a better game, better planned game for Florida State. Florida State obviously had a better team ready to play in those moments. But you don't just walk into Starkville, Mississippi, and uh, here's your stat line I'm throwing up here. You don't go walk in there and give them the business. It's never that easy to go into Starkville. And Jaden Daniels and uh, Malik Neighbors and the entire offense looked completely different. They looked like they they had they looked like they got kicked in the teeth. When you get kicked in the teeth and you get your face drug in the mud, you're going to figure something out. One, do I got some balls? And two, how do I get better? And they went back to the drawing board. They fo- their focus was probably way better in the game, uh, especially during those the week leading up to the last two weeks. And Jaden Daniels figured out, you know what? If these guys are going to give me nothing but man zone, a zone a zero coverage. I'm gonna throw my boy Malik Neighbors. You're seeing that there in the highlights. Uh, you know he was thirty for thirty four. That is almost near god dang perfect. And he's to me back in the race for uh you know player of the year in the SEC and stuff like that. Three hundred twenty three hundred sixty one yards. Uh, you know two TDs. Malik Neighbors thirteen receptions two hundred. I mean, that's ridiculous, 39 yards. If they can continue to do that in the West, doesn't matter where they play. They're going to just continue to ball out. And their running game was there. They they had a total of 530 yards, 26 first downs. They had the time that they controlled this game from the beginning. I will say uh, that Mississippi State was overly aggressive if you watch this game. You know, those two back-to-back touchdowns that neighbors threw or uh, uh, Daniels threw to neighbors, those were fourth downs. Fourth and seven, I believe, in fourth and ten. And he Daniels, who's experienced, saw the coverage, said, All right, cool. Go man to man. Bam. Beat per, two perfect throws. That led to the game. And it just got out of hand from there. Um, Daniels using his feet. Obviously, you're seeing 15 carries, 64 yards. Out of those 64 yards, I'm pretty sure those were some of those yards were first downs to extend the drives. It was not a close game. Uh LSU proved a lot at that 12 o'clock slate if people were watching it. I know I did, and it was a really, really good game for them. So, to, to, I mean, to me, they're proving back to me that they are another top 20, top 10 team again. i like to see what they do this week. This week they are playing – let's bring it up. This week they are playing Arkansas. This is an Arkansas team that – uh needs a win. They got they got bullied against BYU at home. And uh Arkansas is definitely definitely needing a win and they're walking into a hot trap, a hot mess at LSU. And you don't think at seven o'clock look at that FPI eighty eight. It's no it ain't gonna look good for them. They might come out if they make it personal, anybody can play on the road. So let's see what Arkansas does. I know LSU, they're an 18-point favorite in this game. 55 is the over and under. I can see this getting out of hand quickly if Arkansas does not establish their run game. 
If they do not establish the line of scrimmage in this game, it can get really bad. You're looking at yearly stats. Here's your average yearly stats. Arkansas is only averaging 370 yards in the SEC. That is not good. LSU is averaging 537. That's their first three games. Obviously, majority on the passing. And Arkansas is a terrible passing defense. So this game could get ugly, and it might get ugly real early. But, you know, kudos to LSU getting back in the swing of things uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to football. That's why you don't write people off in the first quarter of the, of the season. Uh, now that the first quarter is over, it becomes real. Football becomes real. Uh, each game after this, it's like, all right, we've seen your bad. We've seen your best. Now it's time to put it together. Let's put it together here. I'm trying to pull up these scores. That was the first, the 12, the 12 o'clock game I really want to talk about. Then we got to move into, let's move into that Georgia game. If you did watch this game, uh, Georgia looked mundane. They looked mid in the first half. Um, they, you know, it's a team that, it's a team that, uh, it's not the same Stetson Bennett football team. It's not Todd Munkin's offensive called team where they just come out, find the holes in the defense, and exploit that with Darnell Washington and uh, Perkins, uh, Pickens, and uh, Brock Bowers, and using multitude of their running backs that they had. This is a team that this Georgia team is good. This is a team that's going to give Georgia fans, you know, uh, aneurysms the first half. It's going to it's a chess match. But they're going to lean heavily on their defense to, to continue to help that offense out. Uh, we saw in the second half, once they made adjustments, I believe Kirby Smart and his staff are smart, no intended, uh, pun intended on that. They are smart enough to make those adjustments at half. And you're going to continue seeing that throughout the year. Um, Karsten Beck is the right guy. He's not, he is not Stetson Bennett. He's not going to run that RPO stuff that Bennett used where they would either use an extra blocker and roll out and move the pocket, and he's finding some guy in, in coming across the field like Ladd McConkie or, or another like another Brock Bowers or Darnell. Um, they're still going to use those tight ends like they have been, but Stetson is, uh, Carson Beck, is he is a pocket passer. He is not going to be able to do – he's got different skill sets, and his skill sets are more pro towards the NFL. He's got pro passer. He is a really good passer. So they just have to use the weapons around them and keep that pocket protected for him. As you can see, that was what they did in the second half. Uh, you know, it's a tale of two halves. Uh, if we pull up the box score, you know, it was they only scored three. It was very, very, very just trying to figure it out. But you see in the third quarter, 14 and third, and they won the third quarter and they also won the second quarter and they they gave uh, South Carolina zero in the second half. So they saw what they needed to do with Spencer Rattler and that just rattle his, uh, rattle that pocket, send more pressure, get to him, control the line of scrimmage, which they did in that second half with their odd defensive line and pressure him. You know, Spencer was 22 for, uh, 42, but how, you know, I would say 10 of those were just throwing, were just throwing away, throw the ball away, not taking a sack. So, you know, you take away 10 of those, he's 22 for 32. It's a whole lot better on his stats. He did play a whole lot better. You know, he can't do everything. He can't block for himself and get open at the same time. But uh, uh, you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big year for South Carolina this coming up. These coming up games uh, for them, they have to make adjustments according to the skill sets they have. Uh, I don't think it's a it's not hard for them to do that. 
But uh, it, we saw a Georgia team that uh, made some adjustments, and that's what's going to be this year. They're going to be um, an adjustment-making team at half. They're going to be very slow playing in the very beginning. They're going to want teams to show them their cards early on, and then they're going to make adjustments because they can. They have enough depth. They have enough talent to do that, and they have they can do that all season long. So that's why they are number one or number two in people's polls. I don't see – you know, they're going to get a big test against Ole Miss and Auburn coming up. So we'll see what about that one. Um, but that being said, it was a really good game for them. They proved to me that they are definitely the, the, the top guy in the East and a top team, you know, for playoff contention. Um, and then, you know, special teams comes into play. Uh, they're one for three on field goals, which isn't good. And their punter was obviously – he had 111 yards punting, which is good. Averaging 44 yards, which flips the field majority of the time. So our next, the next game I want to talk about on our slate, on our slate of games, would is going to be the game of the night on ESPN. It was, I'm a Tennessee fan, so this is going to hurt, but it was the Florida Tennessee game. I'm going to go ahead and tell Florida, good game. Good game. You guys came out and knew exactly what you needed to do, and it was control the line of scrimmage, control the clock, keep Tennessee off the field, and convert third downs. You guys did that, and I'm tipping my hat as a fan, but as a person who loves football, I'm watching I'm watching that game. Yep, you hear that? Just like the glass breaking, that was how Tennessee, uh, how it broke for them on Saturday uh saturday night uh <laughs> i'm gonna pause it all right back at it so for continuity i had to leave and come back i forgot my hat if you're watching or listening so we're breaking down the tennessee florida game so this game honestly was won in the first half like i mentioned kudos to florida they came out with a phenomenal game plan and the game plan was to keep the Tennessee team off the field, which is easy. Everybody wants to do that. But uh, it was different. Um, I think Florida learned a lot about themselves going to Utah and just getting just whopped across the line of scrimmage and just really seeing where they're, where they're weak at. And they fixed that. Um, it, it takes getting kicked in the teeth uh, to um, – takes getting kicked in the teeth to – Learn a lot about yourself, especially during a film study when you're watching yourself and the coach just belittle you and berate you because you got your butt kicked um, in that game. And they had a really good, uh, really good uh, game with McNeese State uh, in that one, getting back to it. Uh, and they were ready. And, you know, people can say, well, well Tennessee, you know, 20 something years in the swamp, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that stuff's just in between their ears, honestly. Is it a real thing? I don't think so. I just think Florida plays really well at home. They've always played really well at home, even with a lack of team. Uh, they came prepared and they came focused, and that's what teams do when they lose early. Um, they came prepared, they came focused. Uh, Tennessee looked a complete hot garbage the first half. They thought, once again, like they did against Austin P. they thought they could come out and steamroll people because, hey, his, this offense is going to do what it wants. Clearly that wasn't the case. Uh, you're looking at a box score, you know, it was 7-6 to six in the first quarter, and 
20 unanswered points in the second half, second quarter by, by Florida. Tennessee started throwing stupid screen passes to get the ball out in the edges and thinking that, oh, we're just going to outman you out that way. It's like, no, Florida learned how to tackle. They came up, tackled, uh, set their feet, and fundamentally played football. And Tennessee continued to just stubbornly keep going that way, and it made no sense. It made no sense to me. Push the ball down the field like the end of the game. The end of the game, they pushed the ball down the field with eight minutes to go, and you know everyone's like, well, Joe Milton sucks. It's like, well, he hit all those throws. Those throws were accurate, so it's like give the guy a chance. The play calling did not give him a chance. It makes no sense to me. I'm still, uh, I'm still in the halfway Joe good, halfway Joe bad camp. I want to see more. I want to see more play calling that's going to actually show that he's actually a pocket passer. Um, he can't run the RPO. He can't run what hooker. He's not hooker. He can't run those things. And I really do like what Florida came out in. They came out in a wonderful, uh, simple uh, game plan that that helped Mertz out. They moved the pocket. They moved people around. They came out and they put guys in, in, in jet sweeps. They came down and moved guys in multiple different looks That's to a linebacker. To a linebacker, your eyes are looking in multiple different areas and – you know, it's a lot of eye candy, but you have to read your guards. And they knew Tennessee's linebackers were young from the scouting report, and they took advantage of that. Florida did a wonderful job running uh, an RPO-style offense uh, with Mertz, and they continue to move the chains. And they're, there's not a lot of superstars on this team. They have a bunch of guys that can be, and but Mertz was on fire hitting those third down and longs. And they did a phenomenal job, in my opinion, did a phenomenal job, in my opinion, keeping the chains moving, keeping them off the field. Um, they didn't do anything in the second half. The third quarter, they scored three points, and that was to end the game. Like Tennessee made the adjustments, but they put themselves in such a hole and all the undisciplined things in the first half. So just, they got to, I don't write anybody off. I don't write Florida off. I don't write anybody off on a first loss in the very beginning of the season. So it's up to Ipul and his guys to come back. You got your teeth kicked. You got your teeth kicked in. You took it on the chin. It really tells more about a team when they lose early on, and uh, they come back and play a team like uh, UTSA. They're playing UTSA at home this week. We'll see what they do. I think they need to push the ball down the field. I don't think they need to push uh, push what they were doing last year with keeping the, the wide receivers so far out. I think you need to run. A regular offense like you did when uh, Heupel was at Missouri with Drew Locke. I think that's the offense they need to type type of offense they need to run. Not this, you know, they can still go fast, but it's just one of those things where it's just like you got to coach to what you have. You can't you can't put a, a square peg in a round hole. You got You got to find the right puzzles, and that's what jobs what coaches are supposed to do. Uh, if you look at the stat line. You know, they wanted to run the ball. I thought Tennessee ran the ball brilliantly in the second half. She started moving the guys around. You have to get Joe Milton in the running game, unfortunately. Like, you have to do that. ETN, 172, 23 carries. They literally wanted to run the ball, and they did. And I give that to them. Um, uh, Mertz, 166, but his QBR was 91. That's all, it tells you. That's all I need to know right there. And then if you look down even more, tail of the tape, uh, no interception. Like Joe threw that stupid interception. Um, 
let's see, no turnovers on Tennessee's. Florida played a clean game. Uh, and then if you go more in depth in that right here, in team stats, first downs right here, 21 to 17, but third down efficiency, seven for 14. Right? That was probably all in the first half. It was, I think it was close to like six for eight in the first half with Florida. So kudos to them. I give them the game ball as the coaching staff. They came ready to play. And the swamp was alive. It was loud, like you expect it to be. And it was a 7 p.m. game. So kudos to them. Um, I'm super happy as a Florida, as a Tennessee fan. I don't got to play y'all next year. So um, I'm super happy about that one. Good luck next year. Um, but I'm sick and tired of playing you guys every year um, just because there's something about if there's an F on the the uh, someone, if there's an F or uh, orange or blue across Tennessee's defender, they piss down their legs. So uh, kudos to them. More recap moving on. We're going to move on to let's, let's go to the if I can pull it up. Let's go to. The Missouri-Kansas State game. This game was interesting because a lot of people have written off Missouri. And a lot of people, you know, even us on the back porch, we had Kansas State in a clean sweep in our pick and it And it's because, I don't know if it's because we think Drinkowitz isn't a good coach or he hasn't shown signs of being a good coach. But I think, I think Drink did a phenomenal job coaching up this game. Now at the end of the game, it was a lot to be. Uh, so it was a lot to uh, be doubted for, I guess, in the terms of speech. Uh, but you know, this game was a good game, and it really showed Missouri loves playing their Big Twelve opponents. And so uh, it could be that Missouri just misses them, and they like playing them, uh, which that means we get Oklahoma and Texas. So Missouri might be happy that their former friends are coming to the SEC. But I think it's more than that. I think Missouri plays well at home. This is Missouri's, this is Drink's third year, I believe, or fourth year. He has his quarterback. He has his guys. He has his skills players. It's taken a while. They've really had to find guys for the trenches for Missouri. I think the transfer portals definitely helped out Missouri. But the question is about Missouri is, is they can go six and six or they can go eight, you know, nine wins this year if they can win on the road. If they played the way they played on uh, Saturday, with their quarterback uh, Braden Cook going thirty-five, twenty-five for or twenty-three for thirty-five, uh, three fifty-six, two touchdowns. If they can keep their running backs in the game, if they can keep uh, Burden uh, Burden in the game with over a hundred yards, just get the balls to your guys, and their defense plays solid enough. I mean, it was it was a back and forth game. Not saying Kansas State's not a good team; they just came into a place uh, that was a really hard place to play, and it is hard to play. In Missouri, just ask Florida when they go there. Ask Kentucky. Uh, you ask anybody who goes out there. It's in the Midwest. It's a long place to play for an SEC team. So you know, kudos to them. But this game was really another good, fun football game. Um, it felt like football. It didn't feel like this nil. You know, this new thing where it's like I don't like the person across me. There was there was some some hitting, some hard hitting. Uh, linebacker, there was some hard hitting going on, and it wasn't like the soft stuff, it was hard hitting stuff. 
and it was just a, a battle. It seemed like it was a battle of top 25 teams. Missouri could end up in the top 25. It depends on how they're, how they're, you know, they handle the remaining of their schedule. But it definitely opened up my eyes. And then obviously going, having faith in your kicker with that 60 yard field goal, good for you. Good for you. If that's a weapon he has in his back pocket, he might win some games this year with some, you know, anytime you get down to the 50, this guy can kick a 60 yard field goal. Why not? You know, or 50 easily put a 50 yarder up, you know. They're going to put some points up, um, and that's that's definitely impressive. So that game was really good. I mean, you can look at the stat line and stuff like that. And then Kansas State, you know, they had the probability going in their favor. They had the FPI going in their favor. It was a sold-out crowd at Memorial Stadium. Uh, you know, Kentucky had – Kentucky, Missouri had uh, 430 yards uh, rushing or uh, all total at 21st. This game was even across the board except time of possession. I do like what I saw. I hope can I hope they can continue that on the road. That's been their Achilles heel in the SEC is the road games. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, excuse me, Missouri has never been able to go on the road in the SEC and get these wins. So, uh, and I think Kansas State is still a top twenty-five team. They will stay a top twenty-five team the rest of the year um, with what they have, and they're going to be in contention for the Big Twelve. You know, it, we still don't know what Oklahoma has. We still don't know what Texas had. Texas played a Wyoming team, and it was a really close game at halftime. And then going into the fourth quarter, Texas finally opened up their offense and said, all right, we got to win this thing. And they did. They put it to bed. But it was one of those things where it was, you know, if you were a top-ranked team this week, you really, really, really struggled. You really did. And I, and that transitions into our next game. It'll be the Florida State-BC game. Florida State looked really lethargic in this one. I know Travis uh, Jordan Travis got hurt in this one, but you you know it was BC's making it personal. They made the game personal. They're definitely they lost. BC is a terrible team, horrible horrible football club. But when you make things personal and you come out and you play your ass off, this is the result you get. And it's like this is how. You need to play football, and we need to see that as fans. We need to see that. We need our guys to give a damn every week. That's how you play, man. You play it personal. BC had it was the red bandana game, and that and you know it is personal when you're playing for a cause like that. When you're playing for a meaning like that, you know a guy gave his life, and you know I'd run through a freaking brick wall if I had that pregame speech as well. And Florida State knew this. And they still came out and got just freaking whopped in the first half. They were taking it on the chin the whole time. And it wasn't until certain things went their way that they took over in the game. And things, games, you have to have games like this in order to win the championship. You have to be able to face adversity and overcome that adversity. So, in that one, I give them, I give them all the respect. In that one, um, for Florida State, it was something that uh, you know you don't take your opponent lightly. They're gonna get everybody's best, and they don't need to take Clemson lightly this week. Clemson's gonna come out with a game plan, and they're gonna. It's gonna be personal. Clemson's the underdog at home. They're gonna be personal, and it's, they're gonna take 
everybody's best haymakers. So get ready for that, Florida State fans. But I think this team is still a top top five team. They are a contender to me in the back porch. We will continue to say go Knowles this week and the next week after that. They have such talent across the board. But, hey, it's football. You're never going to blow out your opponent every time, especially when your opponent, like BC, is playing personal football. So they got to come out and play personal. They got to come out and make me care. Like, I want to smother you. They have to come out and play like they're playing against Miami, play like they're playing against Florida this year. Their schedule's not easy, and it's not going to get any easier moving forward. They have to be the aggressors. They have to come out, smack people in the mouth, and set the tone. And that's what you do. And, you know, you, it, you watch this game, and you're like, the whole time, you're like, yeah, they're going to win. But when are they going to take over the game? When is it going to happen? Go down the stat lines. They out they outperformed what we yard wise. No, they didn't outperform. Excuse me. BC outperformed them yard wise. They played sloppy. I know uh, Travis got hurt in the game. But their third down efficiency was the reason why they lost, why they this game was close. One for nine. You can't be going one for nine. That's play calling or that's that's the I don't want it. You know what I mean? So they got to fix that. They got to get better at that. Um, they got to get off the field. Clearly, uh, eight or 19 on third down efficiencies. They're, they're obviously getting letting BC sustain some drives in that one. Excuse me for the my phone's connected to the Bluetooth. So that's why we're doing that. But no, man, I I I can I, I think they're gonna come out. A lot, this is good for film, right? They're right now they're. They're doing the film studying and stuff like that, and the coaching staff is they're looking at themselves deep down. And it's like, do we have what it takes to win this championship this year? Do we have what it takes to beat the Florida, to beat the um, to beat the Georgias, to beat the Texases, to beat USC? And I think they do. I just think you need to be in games like this to to know what your team's made of. Uh, and then going into this this week uh, with the Clemson game. Uh, lingering on them at home, at away. That's a good another road test for them. So, all being said, man, it's it was a, a great, sneaky, good weekend of college football. If you weren't ready for it, you were like, what's going on? What's doing this, doing that? But this week coming up, wow. Be ready for that. The boys on the back porch, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, We... Once again, on our pick em, we were okay. Uh, and then uh, we went 8 for 14. 8 for 14 in our, our uh, picks against the spread. Not a good look, but we get better as the year goes on. Just like just like the other teams, we get better as the year goes on. As we, we go to the lab, we, we, we watch film, we figure it out what these teams, these teams are. It starts narrowing down. But stay, stay, thank you for the love. Continue to follow, like, and subscribe uh, what we're doing here on the back porch. Again, this is Nate going solo on the porch. Be on the lookout for our Pick'em show and our preview show. And I know Scott is probably going to have uh, some NFL content coming out too. Uh, that being said, have a great week. And, uh, you know, week four is going to be phenomenal. Can't wait for that one. So peace out. Love you guys. Bye.